Hey everyone, this is Achuta Bhava from Nightlight Astrology. Happy Monday, everybody. Today we are going to take a look at arguably the biggest transit of the week, which is Venus moving into a square with Pluto. So Venus is in Aries, a place that is a little complicated for Venus. We'll talk about that. Pluto is, of course, in Capricorn. So you're going to see Venus move through the square to Capricorn as Venus is also culminating in the late degrees of Aries. That's also important. And then Venus makes her shift into Taurus, where her dignity improves greatly by the weekend. So it's kind of a, it's a pretty cathartic moment for Venus this week. And that's what we're going to start off the week talking about. There are other transits happening this week as well that we'll be looking at. I think we'll sneak in a grabbed episode of storytelling um, and probably later in the week, closer to the 27th or maybe on the 27th, uh, we, we will be um, looking at the um, horoscopes for Venus's square to Pluto as well. So I'll make sure to take those through the 12 signs and give you a sense of um, where that might be landing in your birth chart. All right, but before we dive in today, don't forget to like and subscribe, share your comments in the comment section. As you guys know, that helps the channel to grow. You can find transcripts of my daily talks on my website, where you can also learn about my new class, Ancient Astrology for the Modern Mystic, which new start date of June 12th, we pushed it back just one week uh, due to some scheduling conflicts that came up. Surprise, surprise, Mercury retrograde. If you're already registered, don't worry about it. Orientation material is going out this week. So it's really great uh, time to sign up. There's still time you have all the way up until the start of class. However, your ability to use some of the savings is going is almost out. So I'll take you over to the website and show you what's up. Check it out on nightlightastrology.com. Uh, on June 12th, year one is starting. Also, year two and horary classes are starting. You can learn more about all of them on the website. Go to the first year course on nightlightastrology.com. Scroll down. You can learn all about it. Uh, it is a really comprehensive one-year immersion into ancient astrology with an eye for how to apply this with other human beings and how to use astrology as a tool for spiritual growth and counseling. Also, this really deep, amazing predictive approach that ancient astrology gives us, being able to really read and dissect a chart and understand where the karma is, where, the, where those sort of karmic fault lines are in a person's life. What are they here to learn? What are you here to grow from and what areas? And, and um it's a program that people take for the sake of personal growth. It's also something that people take because they decide they want to read for others. I'd be surprised at how many people take it for personal growth and then by the end realize I have a skill and I can actually help other people with this. It's pretty amazing. The class is 30 online webinars led on Sundays um, by myself between noon Eastern time and about 2.30 p.m. Eastern time. They're all two to three hours long. They're all recorded if you can't make them live on our class website. You can keep and download everything in the course. There's 12 guest lectures outside of those 30 classes, about eight breakout study sessions in between major units within the class. You have lots of time to ask questions. We have a tutoring staff that is there in the group forum all year round. You can ask me questions at any point in time. There's always a very quick response time if you need help. There's lots of material built in the, into the course to help you learn and grow as well. Lots of homework, quizzes, bonus material. Um, and resources that we point you to if you want to learn more about what we're talking about in class. So you can really go as deeply with the material as you want. At the end of the class, there's you have one year after the end of the one year long class, so two years effectively, to take a certification exam if you want. It's optional. You can do it or not do it. Uh, I think it's good to test yourself, but you know some people are not into tests. That's fine. Um, you will find an FAQ section if you have questions, but you can also email us, info at nightlightastrology.com. Check out the early bird payment. You save $500 off. That is going to be gone the week class starts. So you have a couple of weeks left to take advantage of that. 
the 12-month payment plan, you can stretch out the tuition over 12 months if, if that works better for you. And we also have need-based tuition. Now, that is for people who, for whatever reason, your budget is such that you can't make the price point. Your budget is not going to you know, allow that flexibility. So uh, we have an option for you. Apply, see if, uh, see if it might be something that works. We do still have some of those available. Um, try to make sure that nobody is ever priced out. So um, I am really excited to be looking at this transit this week, although I will tell you this is one of the transits that historically I have found to be a very challenging one, and so my knees are knocking a little bit. But I try not, I really try not to get fearful about transits. Like it, it is easier said than done if you know enough, you know, astrology <laughs> and you you know that it's not like everything's just roses all the time with these transits, but this transit is here we can see Venus in the sign of Aries and starting within about five degrees right now as I'm making this to the square of Pluto. Now, as of uh, Monday, the day this is being published, May 23rd, you'll be seeing Venus pulled to within about four degrees. The engagement range for this transit is going to be more like May 24th to 28th. So Venus is squaring Pluto from Aries to Capricorn, May 24th, through the 28th if you're going to use that three degree range that ancient astrologers like to use called an engagement range. The actual transit perfects on the 27th. So if we take this forward to Friday of this week, by the end of the week, Venus is passing through the square. But let me tell you right now, you will be feeling this transit as the week progresses. So we're getting out in front of it today and giving you a heads up because, um, you know, by tomorrow, Venus is within that three degree range and that's when, you know, the burners are on and things are really cooking. Um, so what we're going to do today is, you know, as you guys know, I love to talk about my, my list of 10 things to watch for. I love making these lists because there's always so many things. So one of the challenges of making a list, and honestly, if you, if you guys want a really great way to practice and develop your astrological eye, make lists like this because when you have to try to capture as many themes as possible when you know you could make a list of like 100 themes and you have to find 10 things that sort of capture 50 things, um, making a list is a really, if you're developing as a, as a practitioner of astrology or you're starting a YouTube channel or anything like that, this has been one of my practices that I have had for eight, nine years of daily writing lists like this and trying to capture um, the archetypal essence in like 10 different ways or five different ways or three. Usually I'm a three, five, and 10 guy. <laughs> like you'll see my my titles are always three, five, or 10 things to watch for. And um, sometimes that usually when, it, when I'm like down to three, it means that we're focusing on a very specific sort of, we're meditating in a particular way where we've got a very particular angle that we're turning the jewel. Five is um, maybe a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit broader. When you get to 10, it's like, okay, we're really trying to just keep turning the jewel so that you get a feeling for what's coming and you really have a broad vision of the archetypal field that we're interacting with this week. So 10 things to watch for. Oh, and by popular demand, I'm no longer using the scrolling feature at the bottom because apparently it's really tough on some people's eyes or even, God forbid, I don't, I just don't want people to get sick or, um, you know, some people actually can have seizures and I was not even thinking about that. I just thought, oh, it kind of looks fun to have, because when I do that, you can have like the 10 things to watch for up here and then you can have the list streaming, but I don't know, it's kind of cheesy. I'm not sure if I like it anyway. So, but thank you for your feedback and I hope you'll appreciate this. So 10 things to watch for with Venus squared to Pluto. But first we need to say something about the context. Venus is in Aries. 
a hot cardinal fire sign, the first sign of zodiacal spring. Don't take it literally, take it symbolically. And the place that Venus was said to be in her exile, it's a planetary contrariety between Venus and Mars. So if you take Venus and put it in a Mars world sign or vice versa, you have the Venus-Mars tension heightened. It's sort of like if you've ever been around a Mars and Taurus person, uh, despite the, the desire to be peaceful and stable and sensual and enjoyable and peaceful, they're kind of like a, they can be like a bull in a China shop. And I'm just teasing because I have, you know, I have people in my life who have Mars in, in uh, Taurus. So I never try to rip on anyone or anything because there's plenty to rip on in my own chart if we want to go down the stereotype path. But Mars and Taurus, kind of like a bull in a China shop at times. I want to be peaceful, but I'm just, I'm so angry or like whatever. So same thing with Venus and Aries. You know, Venus and Aries can be like, um, sometimes I joke that Venus and Aries is like sporty spice. Um, Venus and Aries, my wife has Venus and Aries in her 10th house. And, you know, she owned and uh, first managed and helped start a, a yoga studio and then managed and owned her own, worked in many yoga studios and also worked in um, gyms teaching yoga. So, you know, Venus and Aries, sometimes you're going to see that mix of like, oh, here's, uh, you know, like my, my wife's case, Venus and Aries, she works with tons of women, but in a sort of athletic, take care of your body type of way or in that kind of environment. Uh, she's entrepreneurial, but she does things that are all about nature and plants and um, very beautiful feminine things. But there's this real, she's got a real like entrepreneurial like edge too, that you have to be, we have to be kind of executive and so forth. And, you know, there's not just a few women who have probably experienced living with Venus and Aries and being called intense or some, some unfortunate stereotype. So we definitely don't want to hate on Venus and Aries. However, for most of us, Venus and Aries will present as the tension between Venus and Mars. And Venus is trying to be Venus, but also having to, it's like filtering itself through the lens of this youthful, hot, intense, fiery Mars ruled sign. Uh, it's a very masculine place for Venus to hang out. And we can work that tension in a million different ways and very productively, but it's a tension and you have to be aware of it. That's all the dignity is really pointing us to. More often than not, there will be struggles associated with Venus trying to hold the Mars energy as opposed to say Venus and Taurus, where it's just Venus is in an environment where there's not that conflict of um, planetary dynamics. So that's, that's what we mean when we say Venus is in her exile. For example, many women growing up with Venus and Aries, and I've talked to hundreds and hundreds of, of people in my practice, of course, who, um, you know, have had Venus and Aries, men, women, every, you know, every orientation you can imagine. And what, what is constantly said is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like a peaceful person, but people think I'm very intense or I'm, a, um, you know, it could be Venus in uh, Scorpio, a little bit similar. Okay. So that's why Venus in Aries is a bit challenging now, more so than any other degrees within the sign of Aries when planets get toward those late degrees. Ancient astrologers said that those late degrees tended to be more difficult because the pattern sort of that was placed on signs philosophically was like creation, maintenance, destruction, just like in nature. You've got a creative phase, you've got to maintain what's been created phase, and you've got an entropy phase. So the last part of the signs tends toward entropies, you could say energetically or in what it signifies. So Venus at the end of the sign, a little intense. A little intense because it's also in Mars's sign. A little intense because it's also going to square Pluto. Pluto, of course, associated with Hades, god of the underworld. 
and kind of like a, a like a, a weird parallel twin brother to Zeus. People don't recognize that very often, but Pluto's sort of like the Zeus of the underworld. You, it's, a, it's like the Jupiter of the underworld. So Pluto has a keen sense of justice, though it is subterranean and often very mysterious and um, healing and helpful, but often harrowing and dark. Um, Pluto is uh, empowering and, and points to abundance. The name Pluto means riches. Jupiter is associated with abundance, so is Pluto. But Pluto, Hades' abundance is uh, often mixed up in power and greed in complicated ways, for example, or in things that you know come from the rich underworld. Um, so that the kind of fertile, life-giving energies associated with Pluto are often paired with death, death and rebirth or something like that. So it's a very, it's, it's a life-giving planet, but it's also one that tends to be complicated in the way that it delivers like a, a, abundance. It is associated with justice. The underworld in general is associated with justice as in the allotment of the soul in death and rebirth. But um, it's a subterranean, mysterious place that's not like the civic social justice of being alive but the justice of the underworld in the spiritual dimension or something like that so they're very interesting parallels between zeus jupiter and pluto um but when you get venus in the square with pluto that's going to intensify it very deeply because venus is culminating in a sign that's some can be tense for venus and then you're adding in pluto so that's why this is sort of the transit of the week it's very fast it moves along very quickly um, it perfects May 27th. By the 28th, it's moving into, into uh, Taurus, where it's then in its own dignity. And you're going to see Venus sort of um, emerging from a, a, a harrowing dynamic this week into a much brighter space. So that's kind of nice. In the meantime, here are 10 things to watch for that really get to the archetypal heart of this transit, in, in my opinion. One, and I put this at the beginning because, you know, it's kind of like the most dramatic and and sort of um, fun one to talk about, uh, even though it's really dark. Crimes of passion. Um, I would not be surprised at all to find that you have uh, in the news this week, you have, and, and I know this is really dark and, and terrible. I don't mean to like call it into creation or something like that, but it's like, Oh well, I found out my lover was cheating, so I killed them both and then killed myself. That's it's a that's very Venus and Aries square to Pluto and Capricorn. Like the potential for really um, things that are done very like eruptions of intense violence or passionate intensity that are wrapped up in um, uh, love and relationships and uh, uh, our appearance and being offended by something and sort of blowing up in some kind of you know, crime of passion. And the crime of passion could be very mundane. It could be like crossing a boundary you shouldn't have crossed, saying something you shouldn't have said, whatever. But be aware of the potential, if offended, or for something to come up that um, puts you into a mode of feeling like vindictive and um, potentially getting into some trouble because of this kind of unbridled, passionate fury of the goddess. That's a real thing. It's a real... It is a real um, wrath that that Venus Pluto can sort of embody. So I'm just telling everyone to be careful about it. <laughs> okay, number two is secrets and scandals in love. It's funny how many times you will find out during a Venus Pluto transit. I've seen this more times than I can count in my astrological practice that someone's getting Pluto transiting their natal Venus, and there'll be an affair that they find out about, or there will be 
hidden something hidden about the other person that they're not saying or telling you. And maybe it's not even that big of a deal, but you can tell they're holding something in or holding something back and then it comes up and it's healing perhaps, but there it is. You have to, um, you know, you have to deal with it first. So I'm going to talk about the healing part later, but number two here is just the idea of scandalous things happening around love, sex, women, um, anything Venusian, uh, but then also secrets or things that are hidden in the unconscious kind of erupting upward so you can see them and potentially being somewhat challenging to deal with, but maybe a, a necessary part of the growth or evolution of a relationship. Three would be intense eroticism. Look, Venus and Pluto, this is a, I mean, like you could just have a week where you're just, you're just like bunnies all week. I mean, <laughs> you could like Venus Pluto is just like Marvin Gaye's playing. And there's a kind of like, are we going to kill each other? Or are we going to dance? You know, so, <laughs> so watch for the intense eroticism this week. Number four would be an underworld aesthetic. Very similar uh, in terms of there being an appreciation aesthetically for darkness, for things that are complicated, mysterious, tangled, difficult, provocative. So any, any way in which Venus, whether it's in dress or clothes or speech or art or culture, is expressing something dark or hidden or complex, that could be very much the kind of Venus-Pluto dynamic. Um, you could also see, number five, something Venus in the square to Pluto from those late degrees of Venus is, uh, those late degrees of Aries, is provocative and alluring. So provocative as in you know, oh, there's a social standard that says something ought to look this way or act this way or behave this way. All things that Venus rules, pleasant, agreeable, harmonious. Venus is in Aries, square to Pluto. It's like, I'm going to, you know, pee in the wishing pool in the, in the town plaza. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> what? all right, anyway, I have no idea where that example came from, but Venus square Pluto is, you know, um, you know, the person at the restaurant who's like, you're, you're talking a little loud. Oh, am I talking loud? You know, <laughs> oh, I'll talk loud. <laughs> so, but then at the same time, uh, Venus Pluto is like provocative and alluring. I, for, for example, last night I stumbled, uh, I was watching a, um, a movie that just came out by, I think his name is Robert Eggers. It's called the Northman. And I really liked his movie, the lighthouse because it was, such a phenomenal uh, capturing of um, archetypes and mythology. And it was very dark, but super Promethean. It was, I just, I couldn't believe what a haunting, beautiful, um, like almost like Jungian movie, The Lighthouse was. So I was like, well, I'm going to watch this new movie, The Northman. Well, I ended up falling asleep because I was really tired. But uh, I got so far as to see a scene where Bjork made an appearance. And I was like, Oh, I was like, Bjork is so, because I was thinking about my talk and, you know, putting notes together in my head. And I was like, Venus, Vena, Bjork is very Venus Pluto. She's got something. I haven't looked at her chart for a while. So maybe someone out there could tell us what Venus is up to in her chart or where we see this signature, maybe what Pluto's doing or something. But man, if you want to talk about that provocative and alluring quality. So I, after that, I actually paused the movie and I, I flipped through my phone and I started looking on YouTube at interviews with Bjork. And like, she's crazy and in the best way, in, in the most interesting, fun, artistic, imaginative, quirky, alluring, but provocative way. So, I mean, Bjork is my example for you, but that's just because I'm a big Bjork fan. I, the best concert I ever saw in my entire life was a Bjork concert to this day, even though I'm not like the world's biggest Bjork fan. 
hearing her sing is weird. It's like visiting another planet uh, in person anyway. I don't know if anyone has seen Bjork performed or not. And if Bjork is like a big sticking point for you today, then peace be with you. But anyway, uh, number six, jealous, resentful, bitter, and backstabbing. Here's the thing. Venus doesn't fight in the same way that Mars fights. And Venus is in a Mars world sign, so it's possible Venus is going to fight. So what does Venus fighting look like? Um, Venus is more like, Mars goes directly at something, right? It's, it's more like taking a sword and stabbing someone. Venus is, um, how can you put it? Venus is going to be uh, more plotting, clever, cunning, um, and much more... Uh, like if I had to, if I, when I think of Mars, you think of like, like a lion or something, just like a, aggressive and blunt. When I think of Venus in terms of like attack mode, I think more of like the world's most beautiful serpent. I know that's kind of stereotypical. I don't mean to, it's not, don't, don't take it too seriously, but like you have always had to be careful with Venus Pluto of the way in which something can explode. Like in a workplace environment, someone does something behind your back. It's very Venus Pluto. Um, but they do something behind your back because maybe you did something to them that they didn't like and they never told you and then they let it fester. And then all of a sudden there's this very deceptive and um, sort of backstabbing type of thing. Um, so anything that is spurred on in it gets into fighting and conflict that is due to jealousy, resentfulness, bitterness, backstabbing, um, gossip, uh, trying to undermine someone or something. Uh, now, the reason that v Venus isn't always like this, it's the Venus-Pluto combination that tends to make it like that, plus the Venus-Mars combination. I don't particularly think that Venus is like this in general. So I'm just, it's this is particular to the Venus-Mars um, combination and the Venus-Pluto combination. I once heard, and I don't remember what, where I heard this, but it was like a, a podcast or something and it talked about like, um, you know, what, like, where does the stereotype come from that um, women are uh, more like underhanded in the way that they fight? It was like a, it was, it was like an evolutionary biologist or something like that. And it was a, it was a woman and she was talking about it and she was saying like, oh, well, you know, um, when, you know, early on, if, if, and I don't know if any of this is true guys, so please just take it with a grain of salt. And I'd love to hear your opinion if you think this is true or not. But she said something like, well, you know, early on, like if men were more domineering and um, powerfully powerful physically, which would probably be true, you know, more often than not, than like not always, if I remember what she said correctly, then, you know, how do women adapt to def defeating men if they need to? Like, what are the what are the strategies that you use? And she was like, well, it's going to be more cunning. And so that's where that stereotypes co that comes from. And I always thought it was kind of an interesting explanation. And again, we're in like major stereotype category here. So please don't hate me. I'm just also, we when a why is it that we, you know, when Venus is in Aries and square to Pluto that you have these things, I think it's really less to do with Venus and more to do with the fact that it's in a Mars world sign and square to Pluto that you get the really complicated dynamics of like, um, but also let's be real. Like there's so many examples in ancient mythology of destroyer goddesses and there's nothing like passive about those goddesses, right? There's nothing like, uh, it's not like, oh, well, I have to sneak around because I'm not strong enough. I'm sure, you know, it's not like Kali is saying that, right? So anyway, food for thought, jealous, res jealousy, resentfulness, bitterness, you know, in, 
infused into situations that could blow up and lead to really uh, intense conflicts. Number seven, an appearance that hides the darkness. So um, the anything that you're like, oh, let's make it look nice, but on the inside, there's something really corrupt or, or dark or scandalous. Venus Pluto will be, you know, let's, let's make it look, you know, uh, I always remember there was a comedian a long time ago that I, I used to listen to when I was in like college. His name was Dane Cook. I don't know if you guys remember him. He was popular for a minute a long time ago. I haven't listened to him in years. But I remember he had this joke where he was talking about how, you know, in New York City, there were people, people like uh, spray painting uh, rusty buildings to, to make it look nice. And he was like, who do you think you're fooling? You know, he was like, you can't, you paint rust whatever color you want it's still rust <laughs> and uh anyway the whole set the whole sequence was a lot funnier than i'm probably remembering but anything that where you're trying to make something look good or um you're trying to make sure that people all feel good about something you know but on the inside like and then i think this is why for example a lot of people are really turned off by the media and politics and advertising because it's all like oh well that's just covering over greed or that's just covering over some political agenda or, you know, so we have a nose for this stuff, but um, Venus Pluto tends to be the combination where you will, you will often see, um, you know, people trying to make something look good or look nice appearance wise or on some superficial level, despite it maybe being rotten to the core. That's something you always, and you have to watch for that in yourself too, because it can be, can be such a gauge when you feel the pressure to make something look a certain way with this transit. And then you're like, wait a second, that's just not real. That's not who I am. That's not authentic. You know? Um, anyway, number eight, healing, purging, cleansing around love and sexuality. So I've seen Pluto Venus transits when people transition, when people come out, um, when people are going through a period of time where they're working through sexual trauma I've also seen Venus Pluto come up when people are, you know, dealing with sexual violence or sexual assault. Um, it's, it can be a dark transit like that as well. Um, so, but the, the, the upside of this transit is the potential is always there for there to be healing, purging, cleansing around love, around relationships, around sexuality. Sometimes it's a little heavy before it's lighter, but um, that is kind of one of the upsides of this transit is it can be very healing and, and, transformative in a very positive way. I think also about the themes and topics of women, violence, feminism, and power. Um, you know, there's a lot of debate going on in the United States right now around abortion laws and the uh, right to have a choice or what the government should or shouldn't be allowed to do or say about a woman's choice. Um, you know, so the, this debate is sort of raging as Venus is in Aries. It started really as Venus entered Aries. And that is a really appropriate symbolism for the um, the sort of anger and activism that you see, as well as the the nature of the debates and political gamesmanship that's going on all around a Venusian topic. Could that all come to a head somehow? I think that's possible. I am not the person, really, you know, as a like a straight white man sitting here to be like, you know, acting like I know a lot about these subjects, but I can tell you that they will come up, that that these are the kinds of topics that will arise uh, because I've seen it enough to believe that it's true. Um, so, but I defer to all of you who have, um, you know, more experience and expertise in these matters than I do to spot it and name it and, and identify and work with the archetype. And maybe in the comments section also, you know, show us what you're seeing this week or how you're experiencing it in particular. 
um, I'm much more aware of these things now. And I, I feel like I'm much more um, curious. And I ask a lot more questions of my wife, for example, raising two girls, right? That's been like, wow, this is like really eye-opening. It's For me, it's been one of the most acute times in my life where I've realized, you know, all that I don't know. It's like, you don't know what you don't know kind of thing. And raising two girls, I'm like, just I'm asking so many more questions and learning so much more about my wife, about what it's like to live in and with a, a woman's body and perspective. And, you know, it's, it's been, I, I'm, I thankfully have um, just a really, I think a really enlightened wife too. So anyway, these topics can come up in really dynamic ways and um, watch for them, watch for the, the, the women in your life who are trying to speak and say something or the sisters in your life who are trying to speak or say something, watch for your friends who are going through a sexual, um, you know, a reorientation of their sexual identity or a deepening of their sexual lives or sexual healing, or, um, who are, um, going through something that's challenging and be there for them this week, because this is the week where, you know, sometimes the, the, heat gets turned way up again on the burner and people are really going through something alchemically around, you know, who they are and what the, trying to get clear or um, feel safe around their sexual uh, nature. So it's just something to be aware of. Um, I would say, for example, that when, when this transit comes through, like I guarantee you this week, my client practice for probably the next week or so, I will have people coming in and talking about, you know, uh, choices they have to make around relationships, love, sexual identity, um, choices they have to make about being a mom and how much to work versus how much to, to be identified as a mother or pursue their own dreams. I will see people coming in and talking about, um, you know, troubles with a domineering um, person in a relationship or something like that. So, you know, it's a, it's a good week to also get ready to hold space for people around you who might be going through something that's kind of intense. Um, okay. So number 10 is a transformation of desires. I think this one, you know, is the one that, um, sort of the broadest to end with Venus, broadly speaking, has to do with what we want or what we desire, or what we find beautiful or appealing or attractive. Um, what we, what attracts us, uh, whether it's sensual or, you know, relational or professional, whatever it's, it's that thing that, that, um, that object of beauty, that we want to yoke ourselves to or relate with, or um, if it could be a food that you want to taste. I mean, it's whatever appeals to us as, as beautiful, an object of desire. Well, when Venus goes through the square to Pluto, sometimes we start to understand we have healthy desires that are life-giving, life-supportive, that help us to become more compassionate, sensitive, patient people that develop our spiritual lives. And then we have certain desires that are you know, that are inherently selfish, that might be destructive to our mind or body. Venus square Pluto is a great way of starting, is a, is a great transit for starting to understand the difference. Okay, this is a healthy desire. This is something that's really not taking me in the right direction. That happens in relationships too. I can't tell you how many times Pluto will square Venus in someone's chart and they'll come in and they'll be like, I'm realizing that there's something I keep attracting or I am attracted to in another person and it's really not healthy for me and I'm starting to become aware of it. So all of those things can come up. All right. Well, that is what I have for today. I hope that this has been um, a useful meditation for all of you to get a feel for this. 
Uh, I'd also love to hear from all of you and your own expertise on Venus and Aries. What is it like living with it? Do you have Venus and Aries? I I love reading what people say. I don't I don't always comment. I usually um, you know go through and like and love things and uh, that that strike me in a particular way. But I read the comments and. One of the things that I love seeing in the comments is when someone adds something I've never heard or thought of before about living with a transit or a planet that I just haven't lived with or don't know much about. Um, I'd, I always appreciate your input. And if you have a story to tell, you can always share that story in the comments section by using the hashtag grabbed. If you have a transit story to share, like, oh, Venus entered Aries or Venus square Pluto this week brought about, voila, this story. Please do share that or email us if you don't want to share it in the comment section, grabbed at nightlightastrology.com. We will be doing a storytelling episode um, this week. I have uh, one day set aside. I'm not positive which day, but we will be finally catching up with that this week. So it'll be good to read what you guys have to say about this transit as well. Don't forget the new class, Ancient Astrology for the Modern Mystics, starts on June 12th. That is coming up very soon. Year 2 and Horary classes also start June 11th and 12th. You can learn more about those classes on my website, nightlightastrology.com. That's what I've got for today. I hope you guys have a good one, and I'm looking forward to breaking down more stuff as the week goes on. Take it easy, everyone.